the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. It's time for the Your Personal Bank Show with Barrett's Toth, financial literacy educator and speaker, entrepreneur, and chairman of the board of a bank in formation. Take charge of your financial future with Your Personal Bank. Now here's Ferentz Toth. Welcome to the Your Personal Bank Show. Well, someone very wise once said, I heard him say all the time, if you want to understand something, follow the money. So I've got an article here I think is quite interesting, and, and it's the title of the article is Fauci and his wife's net worth increased by $5 million during the pandemic. Now, you got to wonder, here's a government employee, how in the world he managed to uh, accumulate so much wealth throughout the, the pandemic. It'll be interesting to find out as they di- dig into this further. But like I said, many Americans and businesses struggled. Obviously, Dr. Fauci did not. And, uh, <laughs> yeah, I mean, you went from uh, something like uh, this is all public record, of course. Uh, this is through OpenTheBooks.com. Uh, they're a public watchdog group. And like I said, their net worth was about seven and a half million in 2019, and went up to 12.6 million in the end of 2021. And here it is: he's a government bureaucrat, yet he's earned making millions of dollars, approximately five million dollars more net worth in a couple of years. And it's just got to make you wonder, you know? Well, it doesn't make you wonder. Um, the reality is, like I said, again. You know, for example, he, uh, uh, as I was going to say, if you want to understand something, follow the money. And usually you'll find the answer. And so I've often said when you see these people that, you know, just incessantly, um, you know, share a mantra, if you will, where, where it's like, you know, green energy or electric cars or get vaccinated or whatever it may be. Again, and you wonder why that may be the why why they're so insistent, why they're so incredibly dedicated to their message. And again, follow the money. That's usually answers the question. In fact, it's it's public record. I mean, he he accepted a million dollar prize from foreign nonprofits. Okay, much of this money, I'm sure, if you were going to follow it. Um, would you know? I, I wouldn't be surprised if it came from the pharmaceutical industry. We'll just put it that way. Um, I don't know all the details, but we do know that is like I said, his net worth increased by five million in a couple year period uh, when when he was already the highest paid federal employee in the government. I mean, you know, so it, it makes you wonder sometimes when is enough enough? You know what I'm saying? So that's neither here nor there. But again, many people wondered why. People like Fauci exist, why they do what they do. Again, the, the, uh, the answer to the question is very clear. It's very simple. And, and 90, I'm going to say 95% of the time, the answer comes down to follow the money. There's a, there's a financial benefit of some sort for that person to do what they're doing. So you really have to question um, those kinds of things when you find those kinds of people that are just, again, they're, they're – 
beyond reason, beyond uh, logic, beyond science, beyond anything. They stick to a message and don't deviate. How's that? So uh, this, here's some other funny, not so much funny things, but, um, you know, these are things that are important to understand our current, current leadership, what's going on. You know, we're, we're nearing the midterms, and I think it's important for those who have not been paying attention or starting to pay attention. Those of us that have been doing so, of course, pretty much already know. But, again, we need, to, we, need, we need everyone, we need to have people educated. People need to be educated voters. You don't need to be a low-information voter. Here's another example of current leadership. Democrat attacks Pelosi for failure of House leadership after the Stock Act fizzles and calls for new leaders. In other words, this is a Democrat who's going after her own party leadership because— as they're stating, the Stock Act would uh, be something that would essentially prohibit uh, lawmakers from trading in the stock market, buying and selling stocks. They would have to put things into like a blind trust or just buy index or, or mutual funds, baskets of stocks. Now, personally, I think it's a great idea because it's no, it's, it's no secret that many lawmakers, and this is of both part political parties, but many lawmakers and uh, leadership, bureaucratic leaders, non-elected officials and whatnot, absolutely benefit from insider information on things that are going on. And one of the famous examples, of course, that occurred fairly recently was Pelosi's husband, you know, purchasing a, a, a bunch of uh, options on NVIDIA stock right before the uh, the House voted on an act to fund millions of or billions of dollars, I should say, for chip makers. You know, so to say he didn't have an inside track on which way this uh, this uh, legislation was going to go would be to would be beyond. I mean, I'm not going to insult your intelligence. I mean, she claims that she doesn't. They don't talk about it. She doesn't know. But if you've ever been married, I mean. As our current uh, Biden says, come on, man, you know, do you really believe that? Uh, personally, I don't. Like she said, I don't really believe that. But having a restriction on that, you know, if you're going to run for office, they already get an, enough benefits as it, as it is. I mean, frankly, our our, reg, our representatives should have to abide by the laws that they pass. They don't. They don't have to follow the rules that they pass for everybody else. That's bad enough. But then to also have be able to take advantage of insider information like this or uh, specific laws that could have impacts on major industries or companies, for that example, for that matter, and being able to take advantage of that, buying or selling stock is just, uh, you know, that's just one more thing that they should not be able to do. It's just not right. It's not fair. It's It's not in the... It's not in the spirit of being a government servant, a civil service. It's supposed to be. Uh, again, we have way, way too many people in office right now, again, both political parties, that are there primarily for themselves and not for the people that they're representing. We need to curtail that if at all possible, whenever possible. So the Stock Act is something that should be passed, any, or any kind of act or law that would restrict or eliminate the ability for for lawmakers, for senior uh, uh, officials, 
you know, if you're you're a cabinet secretary or you're running a major uh, department of the, in the government, you should not be able to trade in stocks, uh, especially when you could certainly benefit from insider information. I mean, people, you know, <laughs> CEOs and stuff like that are not supposed to do it, and they pursue and persecute people, or I should persecute they they go after it, but it's against the law. We'll put it that way. On the private sector, should be no should be no different in the public sector. Really, I don't see how anyone could be against that, except for the people that it affects, of course. And there's unfortunately those are the ones that have to vote on it. And so again, the fact that their the current leader Democratic leadership cannot even put it to a vote tells you where they stand, where their priorities are. It's basically a big fat middle finger to the American public saying, you know, yeah, we have these all these benefits, and this is another one of those benefits that it isn't right, but we don't care. So my opinion, vote them out, replace them. Let's find somebody else who might actually represent us and our interests more than their own. I think that's uh, pretty straightforward. A few other things. Senate passes bill to avoid government shutdown recently, send billions more in aid to Ukraine. Yeah, yeah, exactly. That's exactly what we need to do. Uh, No, it's not. First of all, the government needs to be reduced in size. It spends way, way too much money. Inflation, we've talked about that so many times. Spending money, printing more money, and the government spending money is one of the key causes of inflation. The, the government needs to be reduced in size and reduced in spending, period. Even when the government does shut down, it doesn't really shut down. You have essential and unessential, what they call non-essential employees that don't that don't come into work. But in every single situation, when they come to an agreement, those people basically got to stay home and they get paid in full later. So they get a paid vacation. Look, if you're running out of money constantly, whether you're a household or a business, it's really not that complicated. If you're running out of money on a regular and consistent basis and you're constantly having to increase funding, increase spending so that you can meet the meet the expenses, so to speak. It means, pure and simple, you're spending too much money by definition. Look, we have, again, a midterm election. If you have a representative you're looking at voting for, are they someone who's fiscally responsible? And nearly everyone who's listening to me is. If you weren't fiscally responsible, you you can't operate in this world as an individual or a business, can you? You can for a short period of time, but eventually it catches up to you. You can't spend more than you make. Eventually it catches up to you. The bills catch up. You know, that's what's happening with the federal government. Now being somewhere over $30 trillion in debt, it's too much. It's just flat out too much. And like I've I've said many times on this show... There's so many times that I've felt like a, a lone wolf crying in the wilderness, it feels like, for years, because I, I have felt like the government has spent far too much for decades, okay? Both, administ- both multiple administrations, multiple, both parties. Finally, finally, we're hearing many more people come to that conclusion, and I think it's because of the extraordinary level of spending that's happened over the last couple of years, of course, and then, and then and then now the end result, the inflation that we're seeing that's that's hurting everybody, costing costing everybody more. Okay, people are finally waking up, and I'm thankful for that. I'm glad of that. We need, and the only thing that's going to truly change the direction of the spending of our government is to elect representatives that have a priority 
of spending less. And I look, I understand. I've been disappointed many times. I, I told you, I've been a fiscal, fiscally responsible voter for, for decades. And I've been disappointed on many occasions by elected officials, some who I've supported and voted for. But look, you have to, we have to give these, we have to replace the ones that are there because they're going to do nothing but just bankrupt, you know, just bankrupt this country. And we're moving rapidly to a European style. I mean, it's not wasn't that long ago. Remember Greece, okay, where you had austerity measures? I'm, what I'm trying to say is we're not that far down the road from that if we continue down this path. This is becoming critical. We're getting to a critical stage where the level of spending has got to stop. And, in fact, it not only has to stop, it has to be reduced. It has to come down. So my strong recommendation is look at the positions, the fiscal uh, positions of the of the elected officials. And if you're on, I understand some people support folks that representatives that do spend the money because you get some benefit from it. Look, here's what I want you to understand. If you're one of those that are benefiting from the system, the gravy train will not last forever. You can't overspend and expect it just to keep continue. It will stop and everyone will pay the price. Look at inflation now. We are all paying the price. Stay tuned in the next segment. I'm going to talk about some more things and some encouraging things, so don't miss it. For more information on your personal bank, feel free to contact Ference at yourpersonalbank.com. Back to the Your Personal Bank Show with Ference Toth. Welcome to the Your Personal Bank Show. I did it again. <laughs> my, my sound engineer said you forgot to let people know how to contact you. I'm, I'm, I know I'm terrible about that. I get on a roll, and I have so much information that I want to share. It only got so much time to share it with, spend it with. But if you do want more information on how to navigate this economic chaos we're dealing with, take control of your finances, reduce your taxes, increase your returns safely with guarantees, Learn how to leverage your money. Use other people's money and get a positive arbitrage. Uh, in other words, earn interest on money you spent. Contact me at 866-268-4422. Again, per, that's yourpersonalbank.com or 866-268-4422. Okay, so we got a lot of other stuff I want to hit on. So another, I think, very valuable, important uh, article I saw was and, and wanting to know where, where the economy is going, what the direction is. I mean, it's clear where it's been going. It's been going down. We're in a recession. How long is it going to last? How bad it's going to get? Those are really, really powerful questions for uh, many folks. And uh, I think here's a very valuable indicator. Ocean shippers reveal major sign that the global economy is in dire straits. In other words, ocean shippers, this is a folks, you know, something like 90 percent of of goods and services uh, travel a vast high percentage. I don't know if it's ninety percent. It's probably eighty, ninety percent of the of the goods and goods and stuff go you know through the ocean. Okay, through the you know the ships, the major uh, ships, and they're all seeing about twenty percent declines in ocean freight orders. In other words, that should give us a really good idea of how consumer goods. Uh, the reduction of consumer goods are right now, again, seeing about 20% declines. Now, and some are seeing as much as 50% declines, some of the shippers are saying. So this is serious. This is significant. Again, how long it'll last, can't say. 
But when you take the U.S. economy, for example, about two-thirds of the economy is consumer spending. And if it's down somewhere around 20% or so, that starts to give you a pretty good idea of the economic situation going forward. And, of course, many of the retailers and things like that are going to struggle because of less purchasing by the consumer. Okay, so, you know, take that that information for what it may, but I think it's a very valuable piece of information and very valuable indicator of where we're headed. Which brings me to the next article talking about Biden thinks stock market doesn't matter, and here's why he doesn't get it. You know, I, I, I do believe he doesn't think it matters much. He doesn't, he doesn't seem to care. Um, it's interesting that U.S. investors have lost something like $7.6 trillion since he's taken office in value and stock values. And, and a lot of people say, well, so what? Boo-hoo, Wall Street. Who cares? The, the fat cats are losing. The rich, rich people are losing. But here's the thing we need to realize. A significant portion of Americans have their money invested in the stock market and primarily through things like IRAs and 401ks. In other words, the days of the pensions where people retired and got a company pension are nearly gone. I mean, one of the few exceptions to that rule happens to be, you know, federal or I should say government workers, government employees are one of the few areas that still receive a pension. Okay, the private sector, it's rare. We'll put it that way. It's quite exceedingly rare. So in other words, this is impacting people's retirement, whether it's they're retired already or, or, or putting money away towards retirement. This is certainly, particularly those that are nearing retirement, uh, are going to, it's impacting them significantly, okay? Um, so this is going to have a big impact on, on you know, the value, how much money people have, right? How much they have to spend, to live on, pay for things. And then when you throw inflation on top of it, that's like a double whammy. That's... <laughs> You know, your your, ass, your 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 portfolio, the amount of money you have available to live on and spend, particularly when you're someone who's retired or nearing retirement, is has gone down. And then everything costs more. Again, it's just you're getting squeezed on both ends. And the the really, ironic, I I don't know if it's a word I'm looking for here, but. It's not ironic comes to mind, but that's not the word I'm looking for. The thing is, there's just doesn't seem to be anywhere to hide. I mean, in most places, when you look in, you know, most situations where you see like the stock market and things like that, when it goes down, there's usually, typically, in general, some areas that do well, do better. You know, you think of the consumer staples and those kinds of things, you know, you know, people still buy food and soap and whatever, right? Even in a recession. That's true. But just looking overall, and I've talked about this many times too, precious metals, you think of gold and silver often going up in values uh, when when the economy is struggling. And we're not seeing that so far. I'm not saying it's not going to happen, but we are not seeing it so far. So, again, from a general overall view, there's very, very few places to hide. And it's like I've often said, a rising tide raises all ships. Well, a lowering tide is lowering all ships. And that's pretty much what it's looking at. And then when you even put factor in things like, as we know, cryptocurrency has already been hammered badly. And then you look at real estate, one of the few bright spots that's been left in terms of values, 
but in many cases are looking very starting to look very weak and are starting to turn over and reduce in some areas, particularly in those there where it went up quite a lot. So it's shaping up to be a situation where there just may be nowhere to hide from this one. So this recession or whatever it is that we're dealing with, ultimately whatever it, it ends up being, whatever we end up calling it, okay, it, this one looks looks to be shaping up to be pretty ugly. And again, I'm an optimistic type person, but I, I'm going to say this one ha- has the very strong possibility of being far uglier and lasting a lot longer than most people probably are willing to recognize even at this point. Now, gradually, slowly, we're starting to see more of that. I've been sharing that for quite some time. And one of the things I've been seeing recently is like I saw an article that said that the uh, investors are finally finally coming to the realization that you just can't fight the Fed. I've said this often, you know, don't fight the Fed. Look, the Fed is raising interest rates and is con- are continuing to do so at an aggressive rate, one of the most aggressive rates we've seen. And not only that, are stating even when the rates are, when they do stop raising rates and inflation finally does start to go down, they're going to wait a while to make sure it's down. So how long that is, it's hard to predict. But certainly the next year or two or so are going to look pretty pretty challenging <laughs> to be the, and I'm not just saying that that's expert ex, after expert um, it's just it's not looking pretty okay I wish I had better news well I actually I do um, for a lot of people the one area that that seems to be holding firm is the interest well I always say interest rate sensitive assets are important when you have an increasing interest rate environment right some of the best interest rates out there, the, your personal bank policy rates, the dividends are on the rise. The companies couldn't be happier about dividends and, and interest rates. And, you know, we're looking at a strongly increasing dividend rate environment. In other words, we're seeing 5, 7, 5, 6% now. And I would not be surprised. We'll easily start seeing 7, 8% soon, which is more of the historical norm. If things continue, to rise like they are, appear, you know, clearly are, are happening, we could see something well above that. I mean, if we go back to the 1970s and those periods, these policies were paying double-digit dividends. I'm not saying that's going to happen. I can't say, but it's certainly, certainly in the realm of possibility. The key is the rising interest rate environment we're in is going to create increasing dividends, not for the next year or two, but probably for the next five to ten years. It's going to continue to increase as we go forward. Contact me at toll-free 866-268-4422 for more information or yourpersonalbank.com. Again, that's 866-268-4422. For more information on your personal bank, feel free to contact Ference at yourpersonalbank.com. Back to the Your Personal Bank Show with Ference Toth. Welcome back to the Your Personal Bank Show. I really want to touch on this thought I was finishing up in the last segment, where as we continue to go forward in this economic recession, that's what it is, and we're seeing things like I was stating earlier, where ocean ocean freight shippers, you know, ocean shippers are seeing twenty to fifty percent reduction in in uh, in freight, okay, in orders, shipping orders. We're, and the Federal Reserve is continuing to aggressively hike interest rates, 
they're sta- they're sta- they're stating they're going to keep them there for a while, even after inflation, which folks still hasn't stopped going up yet. Okay, I hope it has. We won't know, and we won't know that we've. How should I say? Crested that hill until we start seeing some real numbers going down, which we haven't seen yet at all. Okay, we've seen a a somewhat lessening of the all-time high prices of oil, but that's mostly because you know when prices got so high, where you had gas at five bucks a gallon on average nationally and diesel at six bucks a gallon at that point, you know many people who use the fuel just couldn't refused or couldn't afford to continue uh, using it at the rate that they were. So they backed off usage. So, folks, it's economics 101, supply and demand. In other words, demand backed off. Therefore, supply, there got to be more supply. And, guess, and yes, there was some re- uh, releasing of our strategic oil reserves, too, in, in conjunction with all that. It's hard to say how much of an effect that had. My personal belief is the reduction of supply had much more to do with it than anything because the million barrels a day, I believe, is what the strategic oil reserve was releasing. It was something like 5% of what our country uses on a daily basis. You know, we, our country is using about 18 million barrels of oil a day, and 1 million barrels can make a difference, but not going to be that significant. I think the much, much more significant difference is gas was five bucks a gallon on average nationally, and diesel was six bucks a gallon. I know in our own family, myself, we we had those discussions. I know many of my clients. Uh, some of them were talking about like they're uh, construct, uh, talking to some clients that own their construction business, talking about how their fuel bills went up a hundred grand a year already. You know, with those higher costs, and obviously they started cutting back on how much they were using, right? So it's that kind of thing that the demand backed off there, and therefore the price backed off. And I think for any politician to try to take uh, credit for that, and of course I know the current White House has tried to do that many, many times, trying to create credit, saying, "Well, gas is coming down; it's coming down about a buck or so sent from the all-time highs." Yeah, but it more than doubled before that. So that's not a win. When you increase the price, the cost, like two and a half times, you know, you increase it by three and a half bucks a gallon, and, you, and then it comes back a gallon. That's not a, a buck a gallon. That's not a win. That's terrible, terrible policy. And to try to take credit for, for you know, for that is, is just, I'm sorry, that's just really weak, just really weak. Keep that in mind when you go to the ballot box because – the other cause, again, the two, what are the causes of inflation? The two primary causes that we're dealing with. Never forget government spending. Government is spending too much money, and the Democrats, particularly in the last year and a half, have spent almost $2 trillion more dollars over and above the normal budget. We can't, it's unsustainable, folks. Forget the politics for a minute. It's just math, it's economics. It's budgets. You know this. You know this in your heart of hearts, no matter where you stand, no matter what you believe politically or what otherwise. But you you know, because if you didn't know this, you would be broken or destitute. In other words, you cannot continue. You know this. You cannot continue to spend more than you earn for an indefinite amount of time. It won't last. 
bad things happen. And those bad things will happen to a country just like they happen to a business, just like they happen to a family or an individual. It is inescapable. So what I'm trying to say is let's let's make the change. Let's pull back before we are forced to pull back through austerity measures. Because one way or another, this country is going to spend less money. That's that's an irrevocable that's an irrevocable uh, situation. This country will spend less money. This government will spend less money. The question's going to be: Are we going to do it in a more controlled and deliberate and proactive manner, or are we going to do it like Greece had to, for example? Because we're forced into it through austerity measures, because economics, just like gravity, don't lie. It does, the rules don't change, okay? That's the thing we need to understand. Remember that in the ballot box. Who, if you're whoever you're voting for, who is likely to spend less money? That's if you're a fiscally responsible person, that needs to be one of the key issues in your decision making regarding who you were going to vote for. It's used to be a nice thing. Now, with the economic situation we're in now and with inflation and interest rates and everything else, where it's at right now, it's imperative. We're coming up on the... It's absolutely imperative, folks. Stay tuned in the next segment. I'm going to cover some more stuff, so don't miss it. For more information on your personal bank, feel free to contact Ference at yourpersonalbank.com. Back to the Your Personal Bank Show with Ference Toth. Welcome back to the Your Personal Bank Show. You know, before I started the show today, I had so many different things to discuss. I was really kind of, I was trying to decide what direction to go. And I think I've really settled upon it. And part of it is, yes, it's been my fiscal responsibility has been at the heart for me, politically speaking, for our country, for decades. I've shared, it's been important to me for decades. I've shared this with clients, of course. I've been in the financial industry. This is a financial show. So obviously it's, a, it's something of importance. But we've come to a stage that I believe is is becoming critical. You know, it's it's when all the, re- the red lights are flashing, okay, on your car, you're driving down the road, and the red engine light is flashing, now, you have a choice. You can choose to ignore it and hope maybe it'll go away. But we all know, in most cases, if you ignore it long enough, what ultimately is going to happen? Really bad things, right? If you address it when it first starts flashing red and you take care of it, it can become a maintenance issue. Yes, there's a cost involved, but it's usually not too terribly bad. It's not, not you know, and you can continue to drive that vehicle for many, many more miles, right? But if you just continue to ignore it, whatever the problem is, in most cases, is only going to get worse. And ultimately and eventually, that vehicle is just going to stop working. And then the cost to repair it oftentimes will be catastrophic more th- or more than the ve- vehicle's even worth, right? We all know this instinctively. Well, folks... That's where we are as a country right now from a financial standpoint. The red flights are flashing. 
and they've been flashing for a little while for a while they're really flashing now big time it's like we're into the level two where you know you were getting a flashing light for a while people like me were saying hey we got to stop spending so much money but most people ignored it didn't pay that much attention but now the horns are blaring the 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 noises are starting to happen smoke starting coming is starting to come out of the engine now, we can decide to continue going down the path, and we'll keep running for a while. But what I want you, we all understand, eventually this vehicle is going to stop, and it's going to, well, crash. All right? We have a chance to stop it. And I'm not big on numbers because I think numbers a lot of times bore people. But I'm going to share a couple of numbers that are eye-opening. They're disheartening, no question. But... Why I'm going to share these, please understand, you know, it's like the number one rule if you're an alcoholic, you know, Alcoholics Anonymous always shares this, what's the first thing you have to do? Well, admit that you are an alcoholic, right? That's the first step to recovery. Well, when you're a debt, when you are, you are a spender, you spend too much money. That's a form of, of, well, it's, it's, it's it's a problem just like alcoholism, isn't it? In other words, somebody who who inherently spends too much money and continues to do so eventually creates problems in their lives that oftentimes can be as bad as having an alcoholism problem. You know, you, you got shopaholics, right? All right. Well, that's, again, where we're at as a country. We have got to stop this. And even if you're benefiting from the system, please understand it will not last forever. And what kind of... What kind of country, what kind of situation do you want to leave behind for your family, for, for your, the, your kids or your grandkids, the next generations? Because they're not going to be, get the same benefits you're getting because it won't last that long. That's what I want you to understand. It just will not. If you care about not just yourself but if, or other people, the next generations, please pay attention. They're a great place to go. It's called usdebtclock.org. It's called usdebtclock.org. And folks that have been to my workshops in the past, even a number of years ago, I would often show this, put this debt clock up prior to and during the breaks, prior to the workshop and during the breaks, because I wanted people to be faced with the reality of where we're at and a lot of people make comments that, holy cow, I knew it was bad, but I had no idea it was that bad. Again, you can't recognize there's a problem until you recognize there's a problem, right? You have to admit you're an alcoholic before you can start to fix it. Well, we have a debt problem, folks. We're shopaholics, all right? We have spent too much money, and we've got to stop. Again, like I said in the last statement, last segment, this country will stop spending more money at some point, I believe, in the fairly near future. The decision is going to be whether we're going to do it intentionally, strategically, and proactively, or we're going to be forced into it. One or the other is going to happen, okay? So the US, if you go to usdebtclock.org, like I recommend, you're going to see the U.S. national debt is approaching $31 trillion. Now, that's a number that's just, frankly, infathomable. I can't fathom that kind of number. No, I don't think any human being can. It's just too big. But this usdebtclock.org breaks it down, I believe, into some uh, uh, bite-sized pieces that 
you know, we can we can grab a hold of. The debt per U.S. citizen is right now at about a little over ninety two thousand dollars. In other words, our government on our behalf has spent ninety two thousand dollars per citizen. That's every man, woman and child living in the United States today. That's a citizen. The debt per taxpayer is two hundred forty five thousand. Now, we've all heard, obviously, some of that, some are not taxpayers because, well, they're minors. Okay, they're kids. Um, Some don't make enough. And roughly, well, uh, Mitt Romney was uh, blasted for this, but he was telling the truth about half of Americans don't pay taxes. It's actually worse now than it was. Less than half of Americans pay taxes. So those that do pay tax are carrying another dead body, so to speak, somebody who's not paying, an able-bodied person. All right. Now, I understand some of them are unable to do the physical or mental handicap situations. I understand all that. That's not a problem. But frankly, we have far too many people that are that are taking from the system and not contributing. We don't need more of that, folks. We need less of that. That's why just allowing anybody in across the border so that they can get benefits from this country is not a good idea. Okay, and I'm saying that as a first-generation legal immigrant, all right? Ask any legal legal immigrant or first-generation of a legal immigrant what they think about illegal immigration. I'm going to, I, I'm going to venture to say with a very high percentage, they're going to say that's a really, really bad idea. Why is all this so important? Well, it's simple. When we go to the, what, what can we do about it? Well, we can support candidates that, agree that we are spending too much money and pledge to actually do spend less. The current Democratic Party has proven over and over again the last couple of years there's almost nothing that they'll do to stop to spend more money. They'll, every opportunity they can take, twist arms, push, get 50-50 vote and have the vice president vote to break the tie, do whatever they have to do. They're pushing for things like, uh, you know, eliminate the filibuster, you know, pack the Supreme Court, all kinds of things so they can spend more money. Why? Money equals power. And the frustrating thing about all this is, again, I've said this many times, we have far too many representatives representing us that, are, that, that we've elected to represent us that don't really represent us. And, and, not, and, and this isn't inherent of just one party, it's both. But the reality is the Democratic Party, the way it stands now, almost no one ever stands up against spending more money. The couple of exceptions that were it was so it's so rare. It, it was national news for a long time. If you remember, Senator Sinema and Senator Manchin were were the lone whole Democratic holdouts to spending, I believe, it was two or three trillion dollars more on the Build Back Better thing, okay? And it was so rare, it was national news for for weeks and weeks, okay? We talked about it that on this show. So what I'm trying to say is, I don't care if you've never if you've never vote, re, voted Republican before. It's about the survival of this country, folks. Do we want to keep putting people in charge? that are just going to spend and spend and spend us into oblivion, into bankruptcy. Okay? Do we want to do that or not? What direction, what kind of country do we want to have? And that's why I'm seeing some real sense of encouragement in that area. I've been saying this for a while. 
But this one article, behind the scenes, most executives actually hate woke investing. They hate this ESG. Um, and that's good news. And that we're talking about a majority, overwhelming jo- a majority of financial executives do not support environmental, social, and governance movement because, as they po- point out, it goes against what they're supposed to do as a country, and that's to maximize profits for shareholders. That is their fiduciary responsibility. They are supposed to do that by law, folks. And if they're not doing that, they're actually breaking the fiduciary rules. They can be prosecuted for that stuff, by the way, okay, just so you know. So that's encouraging. And so as more and more people come to realize the majority flat out hates it, this ESG thing, I believe, will will die. Um, There's other reasons for encouragement, and, and those have to do with, like this recently, I don't talk about Joe Rogan a lot, but more and more he's coming off and he's he's sharing some common sense stuff. And I like that. Like he states, it's not your job. And he goes off on progressive ideology push in schools. He's talking about drag shows for little kids. He's right. You know, as he points out further in his his show and his article talking about things like, hey, if a teacher was going to share about heterosexual sex between a husband and wife, uh, many of schools and parents would go, whoa, 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 you can't do that. That's crazy. But if they want to have a drag show, uh, drag show for little kids, that's supposed to be good. No, it's not. Why is this this so important? Joe Rogan is not a conservative. He's pretty strong on the liberal side. He he supported Biden, for example. All right. But he's even saying now he'd probably he would vote Trump over Biden after seeing what's going on. In other words, I've said this for for now several years. There are really three groups of people in this country. You have the conservatives, you have the liberals, and then you have the independents in the and in, in the middle. And and the and the independents kind of involve also include some of the moderate democrats and moderate republicans. In other words, each of those groups are about the same about a third of the country roughly. Every poll pretty much shows that. And it's that middle third that shifts back and forth basically is who determines who's going to win, who's going to be in office and who's going to determine the direction of this country. And I'm seeing the middle third saying, hey, this is not right. This is not good. This is not cool. We don't like the way things are going. And again, it's that middle third. Here's a great, another great example. He's a retired three-star Coast Guard vice admiral, and he calls out Biden administration for misguided military vax mandate. You know, he calls it an unlawful ideological purge and even says he's not anti-vax. He's not even conservative. He's never been anti-vax, but he doesn't see, he goes, like he said, the American people have moved on. The, re, the results of, how should I say, uh, the mandates, even Biden himself has stated that the pandemic is over, but yet they're still kicking out people in the military who refuse to take the, va- take the vaccine. It's not right. It's an ideological purge. It's a way for the leadership to get rid of people who are independent thinkers and think on their own. He's right. But what's more important about all this, like I said, just like Joe Rogan, this guy is not a, a strong conservative. I would put him in somewhere in the middle. It's that middle that's going to determine the future of this country. And I still believe there's enough common sense. You know, common sense is not overly com- uh, is, is not common. 
But every time you go to the gas station or the grocery store, we're reminded of what's going on with this country and the direction it's going. And the vast majority of Americans believe it's going the wrong way. So I'm encouraged about what's coming up in the midterms. I want you to keep up your hope, your your uh, faith, too. I believe we're looking for a, a huge, huge difference going forward. Contact me toll-free, 866-268-4422, or yourpersonalbank.com for more info. For more information on your personal bank, feel free to contact Ference at yourpersonalbank.com. This show is designed to provide accurate and authoritative information. The presenter and guest on this program do not engage in legal, accounting, or tax advice. Professional advice regarding your situation should be sought if required. Products and riders may have limitations and may not be available in all states. Excessive unpaid loans may affect performance. Distributions may become taxable if not managed properly. Replacements may not be suitable for everyone. There may be charges when replacing coverage. Compare when considering a replacement. Dividend rates and baseline of credit rates may change. Contact yourpersonalbank.com for current rates. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.